Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of It's Personal. Uh, the last book I wrote was heavy. All right. Hey, Gary. This is Evie. Uh, my name is Randy Rebine. Uh, but my name is Jared Krizoska. I don't think I'm a person that curses a lot. Heart just goes out to everybody. I'm excited. Awesome. Hi. Um, hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Dapo Adiola. I am a British-born Nigerian uh, children's book illustrator and character designer currently working in the children's publishing industry and soon to be an author as well (laughs) amazing amazing i have so many questions for you in regards to your work um but i always like to start with just like the story of um where you're from and um how you how you got there and what it looked like for you growing up as a kid um oh that's that's a that's a a bit of a long story but I I, I've told this story so many times um I'll try and keep it brief for you I am um a British 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 I'm a British um born Nigerian and uh I grew up in 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 London um studied in London um grew up I wasn't raised by my parents I was raised by my guardian who is my mother's um sister it was a very for want of a better word, um, it was a stereotypically negative African upbringing. That's the way I'm going to phrase it. Like um, I was raised in a household that didn't champion the things that I champion now as an adult. Um, And the concern was more with just, you know, kids should be kind of seen and not heard kind of thing. It was, it was a bit weird, but um, yeah, off the back of that, I am somewhat the black sheep in my family. I have seven siblings in total, and I'm the only one of the whole bunch that's doing anything remotely close to what I'm doing and what they actually want to do. So wow. it's um it's a bit it's it's a bit of a tricky thing. So a lot of my uh, a lot of my siblings, by the youngest two, are uh, um you know have had to kind of do what they had to do because mm-hmm. of circumstances as opposed to what they want to do. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure not to throw them under the bus because they're all lovely people and living the best lives, but um, where we are now. So I started off um, at seven. That's the earliest memory I have of being able to draw. Um, and I started off with my best friend at the time and we used to draw the, draw our favorite stages from um, Mario and Sonic and our favorite video games and draw our cartoon characters. And then it just went off from that to secondary school where I started doing, you know, getting into comics and creating superheroes. And then um, I studied art and design in secondary school at GCSE level. I got a B and then I went on to college, um, natural progression, went on from secondary school to college to study graphic design and art and design. And those were the only two courses I chose because I don't know, they just allowed me to stay in that same realm of creativity. And I thought that, um, yeah, I, I thought that they would end up with me sort of learning how to sort of make money from what I'm doing kind of thing. Um, I failed both of them miserably because my problem back then was that I was a good draftsman, but I couldn't focus for sh- Can I swear? Right yeah, now, you're good. You're good. Yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> cool. So I was a good draftsman, but I couldn't focus for shit. Like I was the kid in the classroom that would always be, you know, disrupting the the the, the class with talk of the latest kind of show that we're all watching, that we're listening to, just conversation to the point where like even our teacher would lose focus and he'd be engaged only to realize that wait, he's supposed to be teaching us. So I had a good relationship with my graphic design teacher, especially, but um, it was always tricky for him because he had to be my teacher, not my friend. So it was always mm-hmm. tricky for him. So um, 
we got to the second year of the course. I had failed. I just about got a pass to get into the second year, but I was failing miserably. And he knew that he was going to have to fail me at the end of the course, but he didn't want to sort of see that be the end of my ambitions as an artist. So he took my portfolio to a visiting college um, and they were there to sort of visit people, to recruit people for their course at, um, at another college. So he took my portfolio to that to that room and he sent me a message and he was like, Daps, be at this room at this time, you know, um, and I didn't know what it was about. So I just thought, fuck it, I'm just going to show up. I showed up, my work was on the table. There was two guys sitting across the table. They were talking about my work and they were like, oh, your work is really good. Would you like a place on our course? And I was like, all right, well, I, I guess that's better than failing and not doing anything afterwards so i ended up on uh, what's known as a foundation degree and that was the first time that i had been introduced to multiple disciplines of art so the way that that course goes you get to do photography you get to do fashion you get to do graphics you get to do fine art you get to do so many different things it was also the first time that i was introduced to the concept of um craft when it comes to art if that makes mm -hmm. any sense like properly properly introduced um, prior to that, our, our um, A-level courses used to teach us around art history more than anything. So we used to look at the works of the people that came before us and occasionally we'd be required to do something um, practical, not just theoretical. But this was the first time where a huge chunk of what we were doing was focused on the practical. And that's, that's me to a T. I love being hands-on. Like, that's how you engage me. Theory loses me a lot of the times. I'm still struggling with theory today. So um, it's the first time I got to be hands-on. I was having a great time, having a blast. I tried all these different things. And then again, I settled on graphics. But this time, my reason for settling on graphics was because I felt like it was the only reputable job that you could do in society as a creative, as, an, as a visual creative. So, you know, I didn't want to be that guy at the bar you know, of talking to a girl. This is always how I pictured it. I don't do bars, by the way, but this is just how I pictured it in my head. Like, you're the mm -hmm. guy at the bar, you're talking to a girl or a guy or whoever you're into, and they're like, you know, uh, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm an artist. And then they're just like, oh my God, he doesn't make any money. So that was my thought process. And bear it in mind, I was like 20. I was 20 years old. So that was my thought process. And, you know, as a result, I decided to choose graphics because I figured if I'm going to answer and I'm like, I'm a graphic designer, that might be a bit more reputable than saying I'm an artist. Mm -hmm. So chose graphics, went on to a graphic design degree. I studied for three years. I spent two and a half of the three years tailoring every single brief that I got to allow me to illustrate, not knowing that an illustrator was what I actually was. Other people knew it before I did. Like I got the the sort of nickname of the illustrator of the class. We had um, of the class. We had like a photographer. I was the illustrator. There was another person who was into typography. So I got branded as the illustration kid. Um, one of my lecturers, who's my first and second year lecturer, Craig. He was an amazing guy. He really loved my work. He was into art and into like illustration and all that stuff. So he would kind of like egg me on and champion me all the way. In my third year, I had a different set of lecturers. I did a dissertation on how you can teach children different things using um, children's picture books. And my for my end of year project, my end of course project, final project, was um, a retelling of the tortoise and the hare, the famous Aesop's fable, the tortoise and hare. I was gonna retell it as a counting book. And in my book, the tortoise would have cheated. Um, and I, I'd done all the character designs. I did all the kind of illustrations, getting myself ready, wrote the whole dissertation, only to get to my final dissertation critique with three months left to finish the course to be told during that critique by somebody who had been monitoring my progress this whole time, I was told by that person that I wasn't going to pass because it wasn't a graphic design dissertation. I was doing an illustration dissertation. And then I was asked 
to rub salt into my wounds, I was asked if I had ever considered doing an illustration degree. Now, this person who was asking me this, their job, their whole job, one job that they had to do was to provide me with guidance along the way. So this is a question they should have been asking me at the beginning of at the end of my first year, where I, where I still had time to make that transition and switch and take an illustration degree, right? So anyway, that threw me for a loop. Um, it really, really crushed me because they told me basically that all the work I had done was to no avail and I wasn't going to pass. So I just stopped coming in. Like I shut down completely. I remember I was like 22. I just shut down completely, decided I wasn't going to go in for the rest of the course. I took on more hours at the job I was working. And then I got a call from Craig um, and he asked me to come in and he was asking me to come in because he was looking at my attendance, which had dropped at the time. And, you know, I, I told him what had happened. He apologized on behalf of the faculty and that wasn't his job to do. I will never forget that it wasn't his job to apologize. So he did. And he gave me one piece of advice, which was supremely corny at the time. But it stood the test of time. And the advice was simple. Just, you know, he was like, you're really good at drawing. Just don't stop. And I went away from that. I started working um, more hours at the part-time job I was at. Um, I was drawing here and there. Did a few projects for friends, like small, small, very small things. I'm always doodling, always paying attention to what was trending and happening in the art world. And I got a job at 25. I got a job working at a gym. Um, and I was into fitness at the time and I got a job working at a gym as a salesperson selling people gym memberships. Um, I'm very gobby. I could talk for the world. So that was an easy thing. And when it's something that I'm very passionate about, it's easy for me to talk about it. So that was an easy thing for me to do. I was doing really well, but I wouldn't stop drawing. And I did a project for um, a, a then girlfriend. I did a project for her um, about carnivals, uh, ca carnival designs. I designed some carnival t-shirts. So I don't know if you're familiar with carnival. I'm guessing you are as a black man. We have the Notting Hill Carnival over there in London. And mm -hmm. I did some t-shirt designs for the band that she was with. And I went out with the band, that carnival. That was my first mm -hmm. proper carnival. And, you know, not only did I become addicted to carnival, I also saw what it was like to have 800 people wear a design that I had made, right? And yeah. that blew my mind. And it just, that feeling never left. So when I got back to my full-time job, I just started thinking, okay, this is like middle, I think August, 2008. I started planning how I was going to go part-time and do whatever it took to become an illustrator. And the reason why, again, was not only because of that feeling I got from seeing loads of people wearing my top, there was something that kind of stuck in my head as well, which was, Whenever I'm sitting down drawing in public, people always come over and they hover over my shoulder and they're like, oh my God, that's really good what you're doing. That's amazing. Like, and then they say something like, I used to draw. And I always ask them, why did you stop? Do you know what I mean? Because I'm like, mm -hmm. nothing should stop you from drawing apart from you, right? And they'll, they'll, you know, they'll tell me their story and stuff. But then I just kind of thought to myself, I never want to be that person. I don't want it to be like 10 years down the line. I'm walking up to some kid in a cafe, seeing him draw. And I'm like, oh, I used to draw. That would mm -hmm. crush me. That would crush me. If the kid turned around and asked me, why did you stop? That would absolutely crush me. So I just decided, you know what? I've got no kids. I've got nothing tying me down. I'm going to go part-time and I'm going to see how far I can go. And I started in 2009 and I haven't looked back since. And it's just been an amazing journey. Um, th that's like the first stage of my journey. There's a whole nother journey leading up to publishing, but that's like the first stage of me starting down the road of trying to learn how to become a self-taught illustrator. That's amazing. And I think I love hearing that story so much because sometimes people forget that it is the journey. Like it takes a while to get to the spot to where you want to be. And with all that, the pressure that comes along with it, like hearing you say that there's people, there's no one else in your family doing what you do. 
that is often the case for people who um, take untraditional routes. The trend. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I have so many questions just just listening to all of that. Um, but I want to jump to like, away, away. yeah. How, what? How did you? Because I've seen basically, basically, I want to say everything that you've that you've pumped out into the world. So I have questions about Nathan and how you're were contacted with him or like how did that partnership happen because oh uh, yeah nathan nathan's an incredibly talented person um just to give you a bit of background on him nathan brian is the author of the picture book series i work on look up and he's also a good friend of mine uh nathan and i have known each other for just about 11 years now wow. he approached me in 2000 yeah crazy he approached me in 2010 um after he saw some art that i did for i did a character design of a friend of ours um a, a very well-known author dean atta um i did some character designs for dean and just like random character designs of dean as a character and nathan saw them because they're friends and he just hit me up he was like that so i've got this idea for um a cartoon and i want you to design the character so i designed some characters for him and it didn't really lead into anything i mean it's still an ongoing thing it's his it's, it's his baby so i'll let him talk about it when he gets a chance but it's an ongoing thing and what it did do though was like it really cemented us as friends and we just kept tabs on each other's progress in our various industries our respective industries nathan went on to become a very just successful um screenwriter producer of his own content as well as um a very talented actor in his own right he was on a hit tv show called benedon in the uk and off the back of that he, he just you know he's continued to kind of rise and shine we've done a very successful book series together and he's also about to debut his own sky television um show which is just yeah amazing guy wow. so um how we met how we how we connected on this particular book series um again we've been sort of thinking about what it would be like to work together and we've been waiting for the right opportunity to do so and in 2015 at my first solo art show nathan came and he was like that so i got this idea for a picture book i think you'd be amazing at designing the character and he gave me like a really short sweet brief which is the best way to work with me because it leaves me open to explore it doesn't box me in um he was like our oh, you know the character's a little black girl she's obsessed with space and she's um got glasses and big hair so i was like okay cool i went away hit the drawing board started doing um, the character and how i build all my characters is i like to inform them with a personality like give them a real solid personality so just by looking at the drawings with no words you get a feel for who they are i always want to design in a way that kind of gives you an idea of someone you know in real life right so and i based this to do that i based this on my niece who was five at the time and all her energy was about curiosity and questioning the world and knowing things so boom i put all of that into this character uh nathan's um talent agency that he was with they merged with a literary agent and he took my work to the literary arm of the agency and the um uh, my, my agent sally Ann, she called me in and she was like you know i love your work i think it's amazing um would you like me to represent you i was like okay i've never had an agent before so i was like well i don't really know what it means do i have to pay you she was like no you don't have to pay me you get paid i get paid when you get paid um and my job is to get you money so i was like okay that's good <laughs> you know so I signed up, um, I tweaked the designs a little bit more, and then she went out to, this is 2016. So 2017, April, the Bologna Book Fair happens, and it's a big ticket in the children's book world. The Bologna Children's Book Fair is called. Um, it's in Italy, and 
she took our work, which was my drawings and the synopsis of the story. She took the whole, you know, she took the whole package out there and she pitched it. And she came back from this thing really kind of, you know, coy about it. She was like, oh, you know, a few publishers were interested. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. You know, just a few. Um, and then it flipped for me was I don't really, I didn't really use my Twitter account at the time. Right. And I started getting notifications that people from these big publishing houses were starting to follow me. So I messaged Sally and I was like, when you say a few people were interested, who was interested? So she sent me a list of 12 publishers that had said they wow. wanted, you know, to, to learn more about the book. On the list of 12 publishers, um, I did a Google search, as you do. Um, and I looked at top 10 publishers in the world and they were all on there. And I was like, what? So that was my first inkling that this thing was about to be crazy. And even then, I still thought that we were going to have to do so much more work than we ended up doing. So this is around April 2017. So May 2017 comes along. Nathan's in the country for a couple of days. And we schedule um, a day where we will go on um, a, a, a sort of publishing tour where we go around um, meeting all the different publishers that say they were interested. So we met six publishers in that day, right? And it was so crazy how we, how I knew, I started to sort of mark it in my head, how I knew things were going to get hyped up was based on what they were putting down on the table in terms of food, right? So at the beginning, we got offered a cup of coffee and some biscuits. By the end of it, it was a banquet, like a veritable banquet on the table. Like, and we left that day with, um, we, we thought we were going to be pitching to them for them to take us, but no, they were all pitching to us as to why we should go with that particular publishing house. We left that day with um, three offers from three major publishers um, from Bloomsbury, Penguin, and from um, Hachette. And they had all offered us multiple book deals. Um, that was the end of that day. By the end of the month of May, because that was the 8th of May, I'll never forget these dates. By the end of the month of May, we had 14 offers for the book. Now, bear in mind that Nathan and I had no history of success in this field behind us. And it was my first picture book as a self-taught artist, right? So all that got us through the door was the synopsis for the story and the character designs. Every single meeting that we went into my drawings were strewn across the table some drawings I hadn't even put forward they'd gone online and found my Instagram and just took pictures and you know and and it was just all around the visual and the character and all this stuff and it was just amazing and it, it ended that month with us having a bidding battle between Bloomsbury and Penguin and Penguin put down the bigger offer and we went with Penguin that year this is now 20 2017 right by the turn that that left imagine right so we've gone with one publisher that left 13 publishers that wanted something but didn't get it right so by the end of that year i was thinking to myself okay um i'm in this industry now i've got one book deal but one book deal doesn't a career make that was my thinking i was like i need to secure this if i'm going to quit my job and do this full time i need to secure this by this is 2018 now by like february 2018 my inbox was on fire all these offers were coming through from 13 plus publishers who didn't have anything from from um from us for lookup and i ended that year i believe i ended 2018 with something like four book deals and um working across four different publishers and i'm now in a position where i've got four book series um i've got five books out um with another three books out this year plus just multiple book deals 
just things happening and we're doing so many different things. Look Up has been optioned to become a, a TV show, which we'll be working on as well. There's just so many things. And I'm also working in animation as a character designer, which is something I had always wanted to do, but it just it fell into my lap last year. Like I've done work for Warner Brothers Animation and I'm currently working on a project with Disney as well with hopes of working on more projects with them. And these were all companies that had approached me because I wasn't looking at all. I was so busy trying to get my head around all the stuff that's happened with the book stuff. So it's just been, it's been a whirlwind. Like, and I say all of this stuff and a lot of people might, might, that are listening might be like, oh my God, that's amazing, that's amazing. But as a flip side to it, I'm a very, I don't like rapid change. Like I'm not a fan of rapid change. So you can imagine what it's like for someone like me who gets anxious, supremely anxious mm-hmm. over rapid change. You can imagine what it's like not having your feet on the ground in a recognizable fashion for the best part of three years. It is terrifying, right? However, this is part and parcel of what I said I wanted. So I have to buck up and get on with it kind of thing. You know, I have to be mindful because what what I've gotten into the habit of saying now is no, right? Because, you know, people say, don't say no to any, just say yes to everything. No, do not say yes to everything. Burnout is real. Um, burnout is unhealthy. There are unhealthy working practices. The industries that we all work in have unhealthy working practices as well. And they encourage, they inadvertently, should I say, encourage burnout. So Mm -hmm. that's something I had to learn. No one teaches you that. And another aspect of my job has been trying to get other illustrators into the industry as well. That's a job that I don't get paid for. So it's been a huge aspect of me in this industry, in this space, has been trying to open that door, pay it forward, pay it backwards, pay it every which way so that other black illustrators can come through and shine. So it's just been, yeah, it's been a crazy ride, man. I Absolutely love, crazy I ride. Love, I love hearing that. I love hearing that. And I'm like, I want to just congratulate you for like all the success that you've had and the work that you're continuing to do to put into the world. And on top of that, keeping everything about representation and for those kids that look like you like out there because that's what you continue to to pump out and for me as a teacher and as an educator like I appreciate that so much um it means a lot nah what you're saying means a lot as well man honestly like it really does because again you know it's easy to do these things that we do it's easy to do your stuff and not have an idea of its impact and and all the rest of it and I'll, I'll be honest the one thing that's keeping me going because a lot of people think it's the uh the hype of the things that i'm doing that's keeping me going it really isn't what's keeping me going and what's made these last couple of years with covid particularly difficult is the interaction and the engagement with the people that i'm doing the work for those children the feedback i get that feeling like i can't ever I, you can't bottle that like, you can't make that up do you know what i'm saying you can't make that up like you see a young kid like you know, we had World Book Day, which is coming up this year, but we had our first World Book Day last year as published um, authors and illustrators. And what happened was astounding, like astounding. Now, I'm, I'm, I was expecting to just have like a couple of my friends force their kids to dress up as Rocket, you know, and take sweet photos and send them to me. But I could not be ready for what, what happened. Like that day was just astounding. We had close to 200 plus parents and children, even adults dressed up as this character that we created from all over the world, like all over the world, like sending pictures, sending videos. Oh man, full on photo shoots. It was insane. Like it was insane. It was absolutely insane. And it was, it was so, 
I just, yeah, it was it was amazing, absolutely yeah. amazing. Like the the most rewarding moment I've experienced so far in this journey, mm-hmm. hands wow. down. Wow, I, and I love like everything about your work, and I think part of it is that it's just so playful, um, but it leaves such a message with like the little details. Like when I think about Rocket, I think about exactly what you said. Like my little cousin who is love science, who loves to explore, who loves to get messy and loves to make mistakes. Like that's what I think about as well. So when you talk about how characters are created it's really it's like music to my ears so um something else i just appreciate you um for so much you know what you, your work reminds me of a lot i used to watch this show called um baby kids when i was younger and i, I get that <laughs> oh my god and i i think it's just it's for me it's like a i like like your version of what i see is like way better um, but I get the feel of like, just like this, like black, fa- like everything you do, it gives me this feeling of like this black family, just like figuring things out. And I love that so much. I love that so much. No, you're, you're like the, the, yeah, you're, 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 you're the, the fifth or sixth person to reference Baby's Kids. I love Baby's Kids. <laughs> that was with, uh, with Martin Lawrence, right? I, I love Baby's Kids. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 No, no, no. And, you know, um, I get Baby's Kids. I get, um, uh, uh, is it the Parkers? Not the Parkers. Um, and, and, uh, I, the, you know the Disney cartoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With um, the family. Yeah. I oh, I can't um, remember. That. I know I can picture the people or the family, but yeah. I can't put the name. Um, yeah, 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 but, yeah. Yeah, the girl, yeah, but, the grandma. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. I th- again, I think it's just uh, your work is just incredible. Um, I, I want to um, ask questions about like. Um, you had every opportunity to stop um, in regards to, uh, I don't want to say not having the support, but seeing other people not doing exactly what you're doing or not getting the, um, I don't want to say success, but not getting to where you wanted to or not even knowing where you were going early on. What, like, where did that motivation come from? And like, how do you continue to like keep going knowing that you don't know what that looks like? So this is a fascinating question for me. The, um, and, and it's fascinating because I've been doing a lot of thinking about this lately because of the scale of the success that I'm currently um, enjoying, should I say. Um, I've, had to, I've had a lot of time to think, and I started counseling a couple of years ago as well to kind of help me process a few things because to come from one sphere of not having any sort of, you know, relevant commercial success to having the success that I've had in the last couple of years, I needed to process that. Do you know what I mean? Like, cause it was, mm-hmm. it was crazy. There was a lot of, um, uh, a lot of, uh, what, what was syndrome that we call it? Imposter syndrome. There was a lot Imposter of that kicking syndrome. about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a whole lot of that kicking about and a few things. So now I'm currently living with, um, one of my parents, my mom, and I didn't grow up with her. So there was a lot of things that that threw into the spotlight as well. Like I had to kind of learn about myself according to those who raised me. So one of the things that I realized was that I share certain attributes with, with my mom in that like she, my mom's a very hardworking person. Like she doesn't shy away from hard work. I don't shy away from grind. Um, so that's where I get that from. But everything else in terms of, you know, managing to keep my head focused in, 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 in the face of um, a lack of support from people that should have been supporting me. Um, I was fortunate enough to say I didn't have absolutely no support. I had friends and people who I met along the journey as well, 
right? So their support did count for something. Um, but in terms of that kind of support that you give credit to when you're holding the award and, you know, you say, oh, my mom, I thank my mom, I thank God, I, I, I thank my auntie, this and that, I didn't really have that. So the network that I did have though, which I was blessed for having was I had um, older cousins, like really older cousins who were adults when I was a kid who took an interest because of their sort of generation and how they were raised so like one of my older cousins who's my namesake he used to buy me a copy of Tintin and Asterix every birthday and Christmas and that stoked and fed my love of comics from seven till I was about 11 he used to buy these books for me and it's really fed that like when I when I needed it it really fed that um another thing was reading right so like I I've been an avid reader since I was seven years old and I read a lot of fantasy, a lot, anything that kind of stoked my little nerdy imagination I could get my hands on. I would read and read and read. And that reading allowed me to escape my immediate circumstance. Do you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. where it didn't, you know, it, it, I always say to people, like I have a very almost idyllic way of looking at the world that I've had for a long time, that I've had to challenge even now as an adult. But that idyllic way of looking at the world was it came from reading heroic fantasy if that makes any sense as a young child that's where I got my idea of morals uh, my idea of principles ethics all those things came from reading those books but then obviously because they're fantasy you have to temper that by reading some some real world factual books non-fiction books that help you understand things better do you know what I mean and I didn't get exposed to that stuff until I was older um Another thing, another attribute to answer your question directly is stubbornness. I am very willful as a person, very stubborn as a person. It has its drawbacks. However, in this case here, it, I think it literally is responsible for where I am now. Like there are many times, even from my actual parent, you know, in our culture, as a, as a man of a certain age, you're expected to be married with kids and have all these things together. And I I kind of didn't want to go into that lane of life and be working a job that I hate just to sustain kids. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to mm -hmm. have a partner and, and, and be working at two, two jobs that I've, I hate just because I said I want to have a kid. Like my kid didn't deserve that. I don't deserve that. So I just decided, no, I'm not, that's not for me. Right. So like to give you an idea, I'm 37. Right. And I'm just now on in, in this space in my career and that's not a bad thing at all when I say just now I mean just now according to the standards of society and what we're expected to be at this age mm -hmm. do you get what I'm saying like most people you know society has this thing where it expects you to have succeeded tremendously by the time you're 30 and that's wild to me because a lot of the people that I mess with all the people that I kind of grew up looking at the artists the, the creators even the musicians they didn't enjoy a certain amount of success until they were in their 30s like they were cemented in who they are as a person and they created from that space right so with that in mind I was at the time I wasn't perturbed by the fact that I wasn't um succeeding in my 20s to that level do you know what I mean so getting here now I'm very comfortable where I am very comfortable where I am very comfortable here at the time that I am uh, I'm at right now and I'm still you know looking at what it is that makes me me I'm looking at the things I take for granted in my character and my nature as a person I am looking down the timeline at the things that have been consistent you know my, my character traits that have been consistent since I was like in my in, in my teens if you will and the key one is stubbornness like it's willfulness like and it's not you know people when people look at stubbornness they think about it in a in a negative way because it's it, you know it's the way that we use it it's just the word 
it's a descriptive word all it does is describe a, a um what's the word a personality trait if you will that's all it does it just describes that how you use that personality trait that's up to you right you could be stubborn in a negative way you can be stubborn and persistent in a positive way and i'm happy to say that the way that i did it was a positive way and here we are i love that i love it and i love that you are still working on yourself and you saying it out loud and describing that it because it is stop. so it's so important it is so important i think for just people in general to to hear that it's happening um and it's okay that it's happening and on top of that that you're also like asking for help like when you're literally saying like yes i'm also getting help for it like i think that those things are so important um and specifically with people that look like us because it is not it's still not a norm for um individuals no. who are black and brown to go and see someone about their feelings um it's just see, or it, it's of, just something that the, doesn't happen yeah. see one of the things that i have to say on that like with regards to counseling and even therapy it's it's a check and a balance if that makes any sense like it, it's not just that you wait till you have a problem like just for checks and balances you know just to be able to because the last thing i want to be honestly you know excuse my french for saying this but the last thing i want to be is a cunt and just not know i'm a cunt like that's the last thing i want to be like i don't want to be an asshole and not know i'm an asshole like if, if i'm because everyone's capable of being an asshole everyone's capable of being a jerk i just kind of want to know i don't want it to be a thing that's just like an ingrained character trait that i'm unaware of and i'm just burning everything i'm setting everything on fire and i'm just not aware like do you know what i mean so checks and balances mm -hmm. are important man they're massively important 100 100 what, what advice would you give any and you kind of you said a lot of this already um but i want to ask because i do think it's important um what advice would you give not necessarily just like an illustrator but any creator out there who is kind of on this journey and may have pressure from home from friends from society to basically not do the work because you know like being an author being an illustrator being a creator isn't a normal job and it takes longer so people often look at it a different way what advice would you be able to give them on continuing to follow their path all right, um, I can give you a couple bits of puzzle wisdom. Um, learn the difference between when people are, are um, giving you advice from a place of care, which is important, right? Because there are people out there, sadly, and I've seen this, there are creatives out there or creatively inclined people, should I say, out there who are more interested in being perceived as a creative than actually being one right that's a real trap that a lot of black people fall into in this thing it's not just exclusive to us as black people but i i only real talk i only deal with black people so like it's it's what i see and you know there are loads of people that are more about the art life than actually creating right that's an easy mm -hmm. trap to fall into right so those people it's hard to advise those people so you need to in that sense you need to be honest with yourself right you need to be able to be honest with yourself am i really trying to be an artist or am I just killing time like you know and that's one and then with that in mind you also and if you can do that should I say if you can actually genuinely do that and be honest with yourself that helps the next bit of advice which is to learn how to differentiate between people that are advising you from a place of care and concern 
for your general well-being, right? And people that are advising you based on their fear, right? And that's really tricky. So for example, my parent would advise me and it would always be based on their fear, right? I'm very good at articulating myself as you can probably tell. Mm -hmm. So if you ask me what my plans and goals are, I can tell you, I can lay out my next 10 years for you flat and I'm always working towards it. It's not just empty, hollow words. So if I keep telling you something, and you keep telling me that you're still afraid, then I have to think that you're listening to your fears and you're not listening to me. You see what I'm saying? So, and this goes, this goes for partners as well, because your partners can, can be that voice, you know, they can advise you based on their fears. Like, and, and you'll be convinced that it's because they love you because that's what they're supposed to do. But what they're really doing is projecting. They're projecting their fears onto you. So learning to differentiate between people who are advising you because they're afraid and their fears, and it's got nothing to do with you, right? And people who mm-hmm. genuinely do care because the people that do care, they'll ultimately, they'll listen. And what they'll do is rather than advising you against the thing, they'll try to help you. 100%, wow. So I- learn... Learn how to differentiate between those two voices and you, you, you'll go far. I love that. I love that. What, let's, last thing, honestly, what, what can we look forward to with some of the work that you're doing right now? Like I know personally, just because I follow you online and I see some of the things that you're sharing, but what can people look forward to this year from you? My Gosh, um, this year, the key things that you can definitely look forward to are a couple of the books that are coming out, coming your way. I have just had a book come out like not two weeks ago, I think a week and a few days. Um, it's my first book series with Bloomsbury and uh, author named Mark Powers. He's a talented author. Um, it's called Space Detectives. It's a really, really beautiful book. Um, I've had a great time working on this. It's a young fiction book. So it's for kids age seven plus. Um, it's a chapter book, really short, really easy read fun illustrations great story it's the first book of three in that series um it's out right now i've also got another picture book that was delayed last year that's coming out this year it's called my dad is a grizzly bear and that's with the publisher macmillan it's a beautiful beautiful picture book great book for father's day it's out i believe in april end of april um it's also available for pre-order now you can get it now if you want to um and then i've got my first book as an author which is a monumental project. That's an undertaking with Penguin uh, Random Houses with Puffin, which is my publisher for Look Up. And this book is very, very special. So I can give you some history behind this book. Um, this book is the quickest book that's ever come, come around in terms of the turnaround time, because we started working on this book in October last year. And it's a book written by myself, but it's going to be illustrated by 18 Black illustrators, right? And it's basically a vessel to kind of shine a, a platform, if you will, to shine a spotlight on these talents and also tell this story that I want to tell. I can give you some history behind the story. I can't tell you the full story, but this story came about off the back of the George Floyd incident that happened um, last year and just the world's reaction to it. And one of the observations that I made was that in publishing, we tend to talk a lot about different things. Um, when it comes to children's books, we can talk about grief, we can talk about emotions, we can talk about gender, but we don't really talk about race in the way that we should talk about race right um and I tweeted this and my published my my editor saw it and he took it to the publisher and he was like that says an idea I want to commission him to do something so he came back to me and commissioned me to do this thing and I was like oh my god I'm not I'm not an intellectual on that level I can't really be doing race discourse in a children's book and he was like that's a kid's book it doesn't have to be that deep so I thought okay what can I write so I went off and I wrote 
what initially, you know, I, I went all Tupac on the whole thing in it. So I wrote in a letter to my unborn child, like, and I was like, yeah, get, get, get my Tupac bag and write this thing. Um, I did that and we sent it off for the first round of edits. And, you know, my editor looked at it, he was like, this is really good stuff, but I just feel like there's more. So he asked me a question, like Joe's a brilliant, brilliant editor. He asked me a question that just stuck with me and I still mull over it right now. And the question was, when did you first feel empowered in your skin as a black man? At what age? And I was like, whoa, I've never thought about that ever, right? Ever. And when he asked me that question, it was so profound because again, I'd never thought about it. But when I started thinking about it, I, I got sad because it wasn't until I was in my mid twenties and I thought to myself, what could have been if I had felt empowered at a younger age? Do you know what I'm saying? What could have been? What pieces would have clicked and connected? So this turned from a letter to my unborn child, like proper Tupac, like it turned mm -hmm. from that into a letter to my younger self. And wow. um, it really became something. And I, I, you know, again, I wrote it so I can say this, but I love what I wrote. And I, more to the point, I love what the illustrators have done with what I wrote because it's something I could never envision. Um, the book is called Hey You and it's out, I believe June the 10th. It's due out June 10th, 2021. Um, we'll be dropping more stuff about that on social media. It's not only, again, it's not only a book that I've written and is illustrated by all these um, talents. It's also a project that we're going to be using to properly highlight these and credit these illustrators that have put their hard work into it. So what we're going to be doing over the next few months is we're going to be spotlighting each and every one. Um, I, I put in for this book to make sure that um, all the names of every illustrator is um, credited on everywhere the book's shown, on every you know platform, Amazon, anywhere it's shown, all their names are there. On the book cover itself, all their names on there. Imagine 20 names on a book cover. That's going to just, that's insane. So all their names are on there. All their details are in the book. So you can find them, you can follow them. And the hopes is that you know the publishing industry, which has a habit of saying the talent isn't out there, can see that the talent truly is out there and give these people more work. That's the hopes, you know? Love um, that. I, love that. I love that. Yeah, I've, I've seen the PDF of the work and it just looks incredible. It looks absolutely incredible. And I can't wait to share it with the world. Um, my last publication that's out this year is with an amazing, amazing individual, an icon, an absolute icon. Hopefully she'll hear this because I'm shouting her, but I'm shouting her out. She's incredible. Um, her name is Mallory Blackman. Um, I don't know. I don't quite know about Mallory's impact across the world. I have a feeling it's not far off from her impact in the UK. But in the UK, she is, if she is to me, the most prominent black author in this country. Like, hands down, I'll say that. Like, other people might disagree. I will say that she is. Her impact is incredible. She's well known for um, a book series called Noughts and Crosses. And it really impacted a generation, if you will. And it's gone on to continue because it's just recently come out as a TV series with uh, the BBC uh, mid last year it came out. And um, yeah, she's incredible. And I have the absolute fortune of being the illustrator of her first picture book in 20 years. So that's coming out. Yeah, that's coming out in September, I believe. And yeah, it's a really, really good book. Like, Amazing. Really good book. Amazing. So that's all the stuff that's all the stuff i can talk about like there's there's other things in the pipeline which i'm hoping to be able to kind of you know reveal soon enough um you know projects projects i'm working on in animation you know um yeah just, just, there's loads of stuff going on but that's the stuff that i can definitely let people know is uh is, is, is on the uh, that's so exciting and where can people find you online you're right i know you're on multiple uh, um, um, social media. Like, I, the I, library, I, like, 
I really don't have the energy to um, to spread myself too thinly. Um, I can find me on Twitter and on Instagram, and the handle is exactly the same. It's Daps. That's D A P S. Draws. D R A W S. At Daps Draws. Um, yeah, on Instagram is where you will get a lot of the visual stuff. Um, you know, I stay sharing my artwork on there and interviews and stuff. Um, on Twitter, it's very